0: I will be teaching a remote class, Core Texts in Philosophy, this spring, starting mid-January, and I'd love you to join me. For details, please see com slash class. This is Philosophy versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe
1: you, the audience, get something out of it as well. My name is Bill Arnett, a philosoph- philosophical Cro-Magnon, yet an improvised...
0: Homo sapien. My name is Mark Linsenmeyer. I would say I'm an improv homo sapien, but as for philosophy, I'm some sort of uh, advanced creature of pure energy. I've evolved beyond the norm, and you're just going to have to learn to deal with that.
2: Hi, I'm Sukena Hirji. I'm an assistant professor of philosophy at the University of Pennsylvania, and I am terrified of improv. I'm not a fan of improv, so I think like this is going to be really interesting.
1: Okay, Mark, what did I say? Episode one. That is... You've already been improvising. You didn't play in this conversation.
2: It's true. You know, I actually, it's funny. (laughs) I, I've been working through some of my feelings about improv leading up to this recording because I actually, it's quite anxiety inducing for me to even talk about improv, much less do improv. But I actually, I listened to a couple of episodes. I've been sort of thinking about my feelings about improv and I was actually teaching a class last week where I used improv as an example to Mm. illustrate so I feel like you already. <laughs> can you can you reproduce?
0: Can you reproduce something of what how you used improv as an example to teach actual students? We
2: so I teach this um, an undergraduate course called the Philosophy of Love and Sex. So it's sort of ethical issues around romantic relationships and sexual relationships, and we were talking about the limits of using the concept of consent to think about what makes sex good or ethical. And we were talking about a paper by Quill Kukla, it's called That's What She Said, The Ethics of Sexual Negotiation, or something like that. It's an amazing paper. It's really wonderful. It's really rich. And in the paper, they're kind of theorizing modes of communication within sex that go beyond just sort of securing consent. And part of the idea for Quill is that sex is a kind of expression of our positive agency. It's a sort of like collaborative thing that we do together that we wouldn't be able to do in the same way as like apart. You can kind of see where I'm going. (laughs) And so I use the example, you know, partly I'm teaching the paper. I don't want to use too many examples that are very specific to the sexual context. And so I use the example of improv as something where I take it Two people or more are engaged in a kind of like collaborative project together. There are a bunch of like implicit norms or rules that lay out how you're meant to communicate together. You're sort of like building something together that you couldn't do on your own. And you're bringing sort of like your unique personalities, perspectives into the conversation. And again, it's always a little bit different depending on the participant. So how does that that work? Uh,
1: Well, that's fantastic. And that means, Mark, you and I are common law married at this point.
0: I mean, I was thinking that this would be a good idea for a scene is that we are your students and you guide us through right now uh, this exercise that uh, we want to learn all about consent. Uh, You know, Bill and I have been arguing about consent for so many years. Like, I think that when he kind of looks like with a with a looks just like he's terrified out of his mind, I think that's a maybe. I mean, but that's
1: just my interpretation. I understand that I'm still learning.
2: Yes, in this context, apparently.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, is is there any worry that, and I know this probably comes up in philosophy, too, and we, to me, I think we may have talked about a a little bit about this, Mark, about you don't want to give bad guys any ammunition. And I know when, in the last decade or so, as this whole consent argument and positive consent, the bad guys were saying, this will never work. This yes. is dumb because am I yeah. supposed to mid nakedness, mid hot and heavy intercourse, pull out a contract and have somebody sign it? Yeah. You know, that's ridiculous. Uh, well, uh, I think, yeah. I but,
2: mean, I think. It's, right.
1: Go, ahead, go for it. <laughs> is, is acknowledging that point of view as being kind of correct in a way.
2: I mean, I think that's right. So I think, you know, some of the sort of, I think, really powerful criticisms of consent have come from feminist philosophers. And I think, along those lines, right? I mean, in some ways, it just the idea of this kind of like contractual <laughs> agreement that you're making, I think there are a lot of sort of problems when you start to think about it in the sexual context. So one is that, you know, a lot of times it just it doesn't look that way when we're asking whether somebody wants to have sex with us. It's often a much more sort of like collaborative process. Um, It's often much less direct. Um, a lot of sexual speech discourse is pretty indirect. And it often isn't in the form of one person requesting and then the other person sort of like agreeing or not agreeing. And, you know, you might worry that actually creates a kind of dynamic that's very common in heterosexual partnerships where, you know, it's sort of the man is in the position to be like requesting sex and the woman is Is agreeing or not agreeing in a way where the woman doesn't maybe have the opportunity to express her own sexual agency. And then as you say, of course, like sex takes place over a period of time. It's not like you're pulling out a contract and like describing everything that will or will not happen (laughs) over
1: uh,
2: the, the period of time. And, you know, it's again, collaborative, like you sort of hope that both people are bringing something to the table and that it's sort of like building over time. And so, yeah, I think there were a lot of limits to thinking about what makes sex ethical purely in terms of consent? You still might think like it's a necessary condition for sex being ethical, but there would be some kind of like clear and affirmative consent. But again, I think a lot of the discourse around consent is like, how do you prevent a really bad thing from happening? But if you think about sex as something that also has a lot of like positive value, <laughs> you want to sort of like have tools for thinking about the communication or negotiation that allow you to kind of like express your agency
1: more positively. Sure. I would say that probably the vast amount of sex happening is between people who probably care about each other at least a little bit.
2: Yeah. And and probably
1: have established some kind of secondhand communication and whatnot.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think even if that isn't, you know, because one of the things, you know, I try to talk about with my students is like the reality on college campuses is there's a lot of (laughs) casual sex between people who maybe will never see each other again. And so you also think about like what are the tools for. Negotiation and communication in those contexts that are going to allow you to have like a positive experience, even if you don't really know how to read the person's body language or behavior. You maybe don't have much of a previous rapport or relationship.
1: Sure, sure, okay.
0: Now I know a lot of our audience right now is like sex boring let's talk about (laughs) consent as it relates as it relates to improv and and bill this has actually been on my mind because our our last guest the very talented sketch comedian kevin allison Mm -hmm. uh the negotiations about him coming on the show kind of lasted over, over about a year and i think by the time he got around to consenting to be on the show he did not remember that there would be actual improv involved from him, and he thought maybe we were just going to talk about him. I, I'm not sure what he thought, but when we actually then got into a scene, he looked a little surprised, and he did very well in it. But then at the end, or somewhere, he said like, "I didn't know we were going to be doing improv," uh, and rather than interrogate that, we just you know went with the flow and we finished the episode. But you know, I wonder, did was that a did we do something seriously wrong there?
2: Yeah. And we talked about the ethics of lying to a person to secure their consent. So you see this all the time, again, to use the boring example of sexual encounters to help illuminate the much more exciting case of improv
1: encounters.
2: (laughs) You see this all the time, right? Like people on dating apps will lie about their height, will lie about their occupation, will not maybe tell you that they have kids or have a partner or, you know, whatever it is. And a lot of that deception, whether it's lying or neglecting certain kinds of information that somebody else might expect to have a lot of that if you think if it is intended (laughs) to secure somebody's consent i mean there's a real question about the ethics of that and then you know it gets complicated in cases where somebody might be withholding information because it actually might put them at risk so your race or your religious affiliation or whether you're trans these are it becomes very hard to think about when it might be appropriate actually to withhold certain pieces of information
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> I mean, just to, just to clarify, I did not lie to Kevin about the content of the show. It was a well, misunderstanding, well, 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 perhaps.
2: Question, would I, he have agreed had he had all of the information? He,
0: he didn't agree well, last he, year when he clearly had all the information. Right. And
1: yet yes. when I returned to it. Right. Yes. So at what point? I told you that I <laughs> would never fall in love with you a year ago when we started this relationship. <laughs> yeah, we were. So so it's we, your <laughs> fault. Uh, for spending all this time with me and letting a relationship develop. Don't you see? I blame Kevin firmly. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have plenty of things on the table now? Bill is a master
0: in guiding apprehensive folks like yourself who are willingly engaging. You consent. We're going to do some improv. improv. Okay. All right. (laughs) To do some improv. And I suggested one way, which is basically make you still a teacher, which we've done to some philosophy professors. But but do you have a some other sneaky suggestion bill not sneaky
1: sorry creative <laughs> suggestion that's totally fine and, and again improv comes in a lot of flavors these days and it ain't just one thing and it can be a lot of different things in the same way music mm-hmm. hey who loves music let's listen to music who you know it's like well what kind of music you know uh what mood are we in right now and what kind of music is good or bad for that mood the same way improv can come in a lot of different flavors i as just well, like so. all kinds of music all kinds no, that's a lie. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Equal, all kinds of equally. Doubt it. So maybe we we can keep you as a teacher and just do some teacher things. In fact, um, I'm sorry, Professor, but I told Mark that I was going to do the graphics for our presentation, and we roll up to our first meeting, and he had already prepared graphics for our presentation. Yeah, that's what you asked me to do. No, I said I would do it. I consented to allow you to produce the core material, and I would produce graphics around the core material.
2: Remind me again. What is the It was the
1: philosophy project, the ancient Greek philosophy project, comparing and contrasting two things Mark knows. So it's
0: like he, he produced this family tree. I mean- I have like, you know, that painting with that has all the philosophers in it and and Plato's pointing up and Aristotle's pointing down that one. I took that and I took out the names. Like I, I rubbed it. So it's just outlines. And then I put question mark, question mark, so that it would be up to the audience to decide who's pointing up and who's pointing down. And I thought that that, like, what is better than to give the audience the ability to choose
1: we agreed upon a process and th- that might i like that chart it's a cool poster but there was a process mark there was a process we would meet so
2: i'm i'm Let's concerned see. that our class is starting soon and we do need a presentation for that class
1: uh,
0: thank yeah, you yeah thank you so i have i have i
1: have the chart i mean we don't need really anything we, else Well, we don't need the chart yet there is a process, Mark. We must follow the process, okay? We're going to meet four times over the next two weeks for a total of 30 minutes each, at which point you will do, we will make clear delineations between uh, source material, between research, and between the presentation uh, topics that will and the media that we'll produce. At that point, and at that point only, we will then produce the charts and learning aids, okay? <laughs> That's what I agreed to. Well, clearly, as the professor just
0: said, you got the date wrong. We are going, we're presenting now. Today, I'm ready. Are you ready? Do you have things to say that are relevant to, to this
1: graphic that I've produced? <laughs> this, this presentation, and stop me if I'm wrong, Professor, and I'm sorry to be hogging the ball here, but this presentation, I was led to believe, was the pre-pre-presentation to, in order to uh, uh, sign off and verify that our work was accurate and within the scope of the class.
2: Yes, you'll be doing a practice outline presentation today, and then you'll be working on that presentation for the next few weeks in order to do your final presentation of your project for the semester.
1: Well, I got that right. I should get an A.
2: But as we agreed, part of the goal of doing a group project is to learn how to communicate with each other and to divide up labor in a way that you both agree to. And it sounds like maybe there has been a bit of miscommunication about who is doing what kind of labor on this project.
0: Well, I'd like to do a pre, pre, pre presentation that says that the one who does the, the who, who calls dibs like it's, it's, you know, when somebody gets into a house and then you, it's hard to evict them because they're already in the house. Well, I've I've created the graphics. They're already done. I'm in the house. I'm in the house of the graphics. And so to to then say, well, procedurally, uh, no, sue me. I mean, right, right? Is that an argument? <laughs> there's no pre-pre-pre-presentation
1: in the syllabus. That's <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> I've been over the time and time again. There's nothing in there about a pre-pre-pre-presentation. There's, there's always
0: room for preparation. Are you not prepared for your pre-pre-pre-presentation? If if you don't have a pre-pre-pre-pre-presentation, then you're wow. not going to be prepared for the pre-pre-pre-presentation. Prepare for something that doesn't exist? <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of what we were learning? Like, we come to this earth and we already remember stuff. So it's like before we were born, there was a pre-pre-pre-presentation. Isn't that Plato's view, Professor?
2: I, you know, I appreciate that you did listen to the lecture on the Mino and I, I hear where you're coming from. You're referring to the view that all knowing is really just a kind of memory of things mm-hmm. that we knew.
1: Mm-hmm. In the previous life. See? I'm not sure
2: how relevant that is to the current conversation. I think right now we have a kind of practical problem where we're trying to figure out how we can get the two of you into a place where you're able to present to the class a substantive project and i think some of this discussion (laughs) is not going to be helpful to getting to that place
0: i mean there are a priori rules about presentations among which is whoever does it then it's done and that's the part they get to have done because they did it already and so the consent it's easier to ask forgiveness and in fact it's the obligation of people to give forgiveness because you already did the work. You already – look, I spent a lot of time doing these outlines with one of them pointing up and one of them pointing down. And there's even some figures on the outside that I guess are like Hume or something. I don't know. I have, we haven't gone to that. But that's, that's what I wanted
1: to work out a little more with you, Bill. And the time schedules aren't labor? The doodle and time spreadsheets aren't I – mean, that, that was, doesn't count as labor? That was helpful. Sure. I will let you do the chart, Mark. I will let you keep your precious chart if you will agree to the outline that I have presented for the next two weeks. Okay? And does that involve
0: more? What are we going to actually present? I mean, are we done? Is what, Professor, what we've said to you, is this enough to tell you that we're on the right track, that we're we're within the scope of the, the assignment? Clearly,
1: we're very organized. Yes, Clearly.
2: I feel a little concerned about what this presentation is going to look like. I think I would appreciate seeing an outline and maybe some slides just so that we can be assured. Well,
1: that- you heard when I said we would be meeting for 30 minutes at a time so four times over the next two weeks. We will then be proceeding to a production stage where we meet on the weekends, three hours I before I don't, lunch, I don't four think hours that's, after lunch. This is okay? not necessary. And I'm- you're nervous? And you're nervous? I
0: think we could just, I think we got, once you got a good graphic, you just wing it. Like I, clearly I understand. And I think from talking to you, you understand that Plato is the one pointing up and Aristotle is the one pointing down because like Aristotle is into the devil. I think I I haven't gotten that far in studying why he's pointing down.
2: I'm a little concerned about this project. I feel, you know, I'm hearing that there are two different ideas about what it is, is going to take to make this project work. I also worry a little bit, uh, Mark, about some of what uh, some of the lessons that you've drawn from this course. I think, um, you know, I appreciate that you're drawing on figures that we talked about in the class. But um, I think maybe we need to have a conversation about exactly what Aristotle was committed to. Uh,
0: so he, gonna- so it wasn't all about the devil.
2: I think there was, you know, unfortunately no conversation about the devil in Aristotle.
1: I I did want to say that when you – going over the syllabus, I see that there is a word count minimum and maximum. But, you know, since part of it will be oral, people have different reading speeds and some words take longer to pronounce than others. So I felt it was a little inaccurate. It was a little inaccurate. Maybe uh, some guidance around that. I I, I don't want to –
2: I appreciate your feedback. I'm not sure that this is the best um, use of your energy.
1: The the resolution on the projector. I know those are going to be an overhead projector for our slides. Um, Sometimes those projectors in the older lecture rooms are just like 300 DPI. And if we're going to be doing graphics, then knowing that will help us then go back and pick font size.
2: I think is that something we can work on? Some of these details are maybe not the most relevant to the goals of this project.
1: Well, I mean, if they can't see it, <laughs> I mean, it is.
0: I was, <laughs> so, no information, I was counting on the pointing down with the devil and I was using as my devil. I, I, Quetzalcoatl is, is, is sort of the, the, the version of the devil, the Aztec version that I, I favor. I know there's some controversy about is he a purely evil deity, but I mean, I felt like if I could use the word Quetzalcoatl a lot of times, then like the overall, Length, you know, the word count could be shorter because that is a very long word. And Huitzilopochtli is even better. I want to
2: remind you that this is, of course, an ancient Greek philosophy. And so reference to Aztec deities might be a little bit outside of the scope of what we're talking about in the course.
1: And you don't get double letter score for X's, by the way. This is (laughs) philosophy, not
0: Scrabble. I mean, that's, it seems very Eurocentric.
1: Would you recommend, you know, Mark, if we're going to use your chart and it's OK using your chart, I just think you used kind of a fine tip marker. And again, if we're going to get people to see it from the back of the room, we want to use a heavier weight marker. Right. I mean, see, philosophically, I, philosophically mean, right. I
0: I think that would that would compromise the integrity. I mean, I the, the emptiness in those symbols, you know, where where the audience can project their version of I think my version of Plato is Black. And I think that should be, you know, I think representation is a very big thing. And I think we should be able to show Plato and Aristotle and whichever uh, gods or, or, or devils they're pointing to, we should be able to do, you know, fill out with our own cultural baggage.
2: As you know, I do think it's important for students to bring their own questions and concerns into these texts. But do you think there's, there's a point where there's a risk where you might be actually misrepresenting what those scholars represented or what their views were. And I just want to caution against doing that. I think it's important. I really value you sort of um, bringing imagination and creativity to these texts, but I think we also want to make sure that we're sort of um, anchored in a discussion of what was really happening at the time and what these thinkers really thought.
1: Well, I think, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but it appears that we are well on the way to getting this uh Comparative philosophy, Greek philosophy project done. I, we've shown you our work so far, and yes, we're pretty much done. Forward. I
0: mean, I I think we're. Let's just sign off on it. Let's just just. Can you just give us the A right now? Uh, Once I
2: carefully <laughs> review the project, I will get back to you with your grade.
1: Sure, but I mean this this, this pre pre presentation. You know, this is this is everything is acceptable. Clearly, there is a path forward, and um. You know, results will occur and they'll be presented, you know, but the path is clear.
0: Bill Bill is very under uncomfortable unless he gets really, really firm uh, consent that like that he's on the right path. Um, You know, it's okay if you don't mean it. Just just say yes.
1: Is there anything missing from our presentation that you would like to have seen?
2: I think, you know, I haven't seen very much of it yet, so I well, do... You have.
1: There, there's nothing left to show. This is it. This is, this is so far, this is what we have. What would you say is missing from this comparative <laughs> philosophy course of the primary Greek philosophers?
2: I think I'm looking for a little bit more accuracy. Um, I'm looking for maybe a couple more slides with some information. Give me a this.
1: number of slides and I will get that number correct. Boom. There's your accuracy.
0: Yeah, we can just, we can duplicate the one that I have and then we can like write different things in it. So like one says Plato on one side and Aristotle on the other side and the other one, we switch them. So you're like, wait a second. Does Plato also point down? Is he also into the devil? What kind of music is he into? I hear that, like he says, certain modes of music are are allowable in the Republic. Certain modes of music should be kept out of the Republic. We assumed that he wanted the heavy metal out, but maybe he actually he wanted it in. It's, it's thought-provoking. People people will uh, respond to that.
2: I, again, I appreciate the sort of enthusiasm that you're bringing to this project. I think these are really interesting questions for Plato about what exactly – what exactly he was worried about when it comes to music and what sorts of music he would be most worried about in Mm -hmm, the city. mm -hmm. I worry that the slide you're presenting maybe doesn't communicate all of the relevant information. It doesn't cite the relevant texts. You're not giving students enough to work with.
1: You would actually like to see us put Plato's thoughts and ideas onto the slides.
2: I, you know, I think that would
1: actually present his philosophy.
2: I do think that that was how i laid out the the project yeah
1: that's something we can certainly work
0: for. i mean as long as it fits in the dialogue bubble i you know we got to be able to boil something down to uh i don't know we can fit maybe uh 25 characters there that that probably you can sum up either of their philosophies but over the course like of that. a number of slides yeah like Which like we still are waiting to hear from you how many slides like like crew and then we can have uh you know the, the, the doing the little uh, devil ears thing by one of them ears. I mean, is that, is that the horns? horns? Okay. Ears and horns. Fine. You're going to, you're going to pick at the details philosophy. Like it's the broad strokes that matter, right? That's the, that's, you know, up versus down. That's what I've gotten out yeah, of the course so far. I
2: do want to remind you that there is no mention of the devil in Aristotle or Plato. And so I do worry that mentioning the devil in your presentation might be a little bit confusing.
1: Maybe we can discuss that during our third meeting. All right, perfect, perfect. All right, but
0: we do know we need some like docking or something playing during the presentation. That's that's what I've gotten out of today. What's missing is the soundtrack, and I'm I'm calling
1: dibs on that. Yeah, we'll stop right there. We'll stop right there. (laughs) Yay! We'll we'll let you go. We'll set you free. Boy, I very much enjoyed your very calm politically conscious <laughs> uh
2: we no, uh, need some teacher anxiety. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Feel free to cut loose. Yes, Feel free to let how, you, you can t- you can be the bad guy. You could be the can be the anti you, can, you can the if that helps you. <laughs> uh, do <laughs> you have any do you have without outing
0: any students as morons, are there any pr- stories that you can refer like how patient do you have to be with your, probably not to that level.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, in that context, I would probably be, um, you know, it, it's very, so, I mean, part of what's hard about improv, right. Is like, for me is, is it happening a different personality or character than the one I have? And so in this scene, you know, part of what I'm asking myself is like, how much, inf- like, how well do I know these students? Do I know their background? Do I know how they've done in the course so far? Like where exactly has the miscommunication happened? Cause typically I think if students are, You know, in that sort of situation where they're very confused about a project, like, I think it's my fault. Like, I have done something wrong. I have failed to communicate the details of the presentation or the details of, like, the substance of the course in a way that has helped them. So in that sort of situation, I would be wary of being too hard or critical on the students because I would sort of think the problem is ultimately something that I've
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's definitely uh, the the people who react out and people who react in are probably – Uh, two groups of people we've all probably met each of them in our lives yeah yeah (laughs) i
2: I mean just generally i do try to be quite patient with students and i think there's a way of being patient where you can still be pretty demanding and hold them to pretty high standards but i think it's you know it involves building a lot of trust over the course of a semester so yeah it's it's interesting to sort of like hop into a scene where you don't really know where you are in your relationship with the students
1: yes but the the idea i was going to say Everything you just said about how do I know these people and that how that then determines how you treat them. And I think that's something that is very true in life and is usually going to say it a good habit of improvisers to do uh, 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 to worry less about the, the situation as it sits is just, is pretty basic. It's pretty simple, teacher and students and whatnot. But what's really going on more deeply is this interaction between the people. Uh, Mm -hmm. And to hear you say, it's just like, oh yeah, I want to know who these kids are. Are are these good kids? Do they already have a safe A? You know, and are they just being needy? Or are they like, you have driven me crazy all semester and now you're here with this. You know, it's just like, and that's a very different situation, a very different scenario. So you was- it was good of you to be thinking like, yeah, how, h- how we, un- how I understand these people is how I'm going to treat them. And, and, and uh, the idea that a first date is very different than a third date is very different okay. than I've been married. We've been married for 10 years and we just go to a restaurant and eat in silence, you know? Uh- <laughs>
2: well, I, I mean, it's, it's one of the things that's it's interesting about improv again, like I just, it's something that I've never really thought about until, you know, this podcast, but just the amount of sort of trust that you need to have in the, people that you're 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 engaged in this sort of thing with which again i think it actually is like one of the reasons why i probably find it hard like to to trust people i don't know or sort of like immediately engage in a kind of creative or collaborative project with people where yeah you don't know much about their yeah who they are well and there's
0: yes their sensibilities am i am i in in making fun of diversity or whatever the hell was going on yeah, there like
1: yeah,
0: how, yeah. how mean-spirited is that is this right is this, yeah, 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 yeah what am yeah, i signed deal? up <laughs> what am i signed up for here uh, yeah
1: yeah
0: uh well clearly uh we were we were getting at bill you probably the philosophy lesson just rolled was, was clear
1: as day through that slapping me in the face
0: we're concerned about moral agency of course and in this case, I think it did come through in sort of is ignorance an excuse and how how dogged might the ignorance be till you just say, you know, actually, that ignorance is your fault. And, and I think Sukena was just kind of saying that of like, I don't know who these kids are such that the things that they're saying, which, not, well, not morally culpable, but, you know, there was some definite. it it was not merely a misunderstanding of the assignment. There's, there's something much more wrong with the viewpoints of both of these characters that we were playing. Uh, And and to what extent are we to blame? It seems like Bill's character had a character flaw that made it. So, I don't know, not that we wouldn't let him drive or vote or something, but like there's, there's something wrong with him. How, to what extent is he to blame for his uh, apparent anal retentive demands?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think those are such interesting questions and, you know, A lot of what I've been interested in recently in my work is actually thinking about when questions of praise and blame are actually kind of a distraction from like deeper structural issues. I think we have such a tendency (laughs) to want to sort of like assign responsibility at an individual level and sort of like evaluate, right? Like how good or bad is this person in relation to their actions? And I'm really interested in situations where like the world is kind of giving us choices where know, like, no matter what we do <laughs> we're doing something bad or something that doesn't fully reflect um our values or our character and in those situations i think it's just a really interesting question of like you know it's not to say that there isn't some useful question to ask about can we blame the person can we praise the person but sometimes i'm just interested in whether there are other questions that we can ask that maybe are getting more to the heart of uh, what's going on in those situations
1: yeah yeah Talking about this whole ignorance thing, it's probably pretty clear that something like willful ignorance is yeah, never a good thing. But yeah. is there even like, I don't even want to go into that area? You know, it's just one thing to be like, willful ignorance kind of implies mm-hmm. that someone knows the truth and is choosing to hide it. Well, what about the whole ignorance of like, I I've just haven't ever been exposed? I do not say I've been exposed to something, or have led a life that has sheltered yes. me from certain things. Is that ignorance different than, well, I just didn't read the assignment? Ignorance, you know, yeah. is there yeah. passive ignorance? You <laughs> know, is there? Well, a- let me let me fill that out with
0: just an example: ignorance of philosophy. That I feel like a lot of people are just like, I'm just not a philosophy person. Yeah. But wait, yeah. you you're you're already doing philosophy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because there's a the kind of ignorance that you think is sort of like negligence, right? Like there is information to be had and you're aware that there is there are resources that you could uh yeah. go to, but you're sort of not interested. Maybe it's willful again, as you say, because you don't actually want to have more information mm-hmm. that you already have, because that would maybe require you to change your beliefs or change your behavior. Um, but then as you say, there's this other kind of ignorance, which is just sort of like not being acquainted with the relevant resources, the relevant knowledge. So you know, you see this with issues around diversity, right? If you're not exposed to certain kinds of viewpoints or maybe certain kinds of people, uh you might yeah, not be able to have your beliefs challenged. Uh you might sort of exist in a kind of echo chamber or um yeah in a kind of sure. set of worldviews that yeah are limiting.
1: Yeah. I guess that also then leads us to well what what should the you know are, are you smarter than a fifth grader what should the basic knowledge of our culture and society be and we can we can agree that canada is the country north of america that's, that's a good one but then when it yes, comes to from- i mean it depends on your <laughs> point go. of view i mean they're north for you maybe but yeah, you know. i think
2: America's south of canada <laughs>
1: but the idea of like well what should i know about other cultures and what is considered well that's just baseline you should know that as an american and what is like well that's actually specialty knowledge or that's you should know that as a child and i think i don't know maybe some of what we're getting i I hate saying culture wars i hate that expression but maybe some of this what we're getting is almost a fight to be like well this needs to be baseline stuff as opposed to specialty knowledge
2: yeah i mean i think That question. And there's also just, you know, like, I'm so influenced by reading ancient philosophers. So I think about Socrates, right, where the kind of like classic Socratic claim to knowledge is the one thing that he knows that other people don't is his own ignorance. And so when you're thinking about like, what do people need to know, I, you know, I'm inclined to say, like, start with probably the fact that you probably don't know as much as you think you do. And just because you've sort of absorbed a set of beliefs or worldviews from the culture around you uh, doesn't give you sort of shouldn't give you confidence that uh, what you've been led to believe is true. And so, you know, for me as a philosophy pro- for a professor, I'm less interested in my students coming away with certain like bodies of knowledge. I'm much more interested in them really subjecting their own beliefs and commitments to critical scrutiny. Cause I think once you know how to do that, <laughs> I think that's really a kind of powerful epistemic tool, right? You just you yeah. kind of go through the process of uncovering some false beliefs and maybe sort of seeing the incoherence between different things that you think are value. And once you sort of inhabit that kind of epistemic humility, then it's less about what you know than just about like how confident are you going to be in, in where you're at? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I think it's easy to look at, well, let's make a list of right and wrong and that there's the list and we're done. Uh, and I think, well, that sure, that sure would be nice. That sure would be nice. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I've been
2: thinking about that a lot recently, right? Because there's, you know, a lot going on in the world and a lot of sort of like conversation about the kind of ethics or, uh, yeah. you know, the, the moral status of different claims. And I think, again, it's, I think it's really a mistake to think our job as educators, as moral philosophers, is to tell students what's right and wrong. I think our job is to teach students how to think critically and to like, have deep sustained disagreement with people and to come out without questioning their own deeply held commitments.
0: Now, at least for kids today, which I've been very out of touch with, since I have not taught college students for 20 plus years, is it more of an issue that they are dogmatic and need to be talked out of their firm ideas about what's right and wrong? Or is it more that a skepticism, a humility actually is too rife in the culture such that, I don't have any opinions because again, that's just kind of like what, and I think some of, (laughs) some of what my character was doing were like, I want to make decisions based on what is going to be the easiest way to finish this assignment. So it's more laziness and trying to get them actually engaged and to have some beliefs, you know, some relevant beliefs to the class, which of those is more of an issue.
2: I wonder if it depends, you know, on the culture of the campus that you're at. I've been really, honestly, very surprised and impressed by how strongly held our students' moral Mm. commitments are. And I've really seen that in the last few months. The students have been very politically active. They've been very sort of vocal about their political commitments. And even when I don't agree (laughs) with what they're saying, I'm sort of impressed that like at the age that they're at, they're very connected to like the world outside of them to the communities outside of them and they've been very sort of willing to take a stand on issues even when i think you know in some ways <laughs> the message from the administration has been like encouraging them to maybe be a little less strong and, and vocal in their opinions i do think yeah i think you know young people i don't see them as being apathetic and, you know, I think sometimes they actually are a little too dogmatic. Mm, <laughs> and okay. I think this is a part of the issue with like social media and kind of increased polarization is there is a sort of like, there's this idea, I think, that there's a set of beliefs that you're supposed to have and you're supposed to like hold them very strongly and like, Criticize anybody or cancel anybody who doesn't have those views. So I do worry a little bit about that with young people, partly because I think they're seeing it modeled, and, you know, in in grownups. And then I think on the other hand, a different kind of worry is just a students' attraction to, as you're saying, a kind of relativism. So this sort of idea that there are no absolute or universal moral truths. There's just kind of like that's your opinion. This is my opinion. There's nothing more that we can say about it. And so you know, my orientation as a professor is. To try and like disabuse them of this kind of like very superficial relativism. I think like, you know, they're very sophisticated forms of relativism that if a student wants to adopt, I'm comfortable with that. But I think trying to sort of untangle why they're attracted to a position where there are no (laughs) objective moral truths. I think often, honestly, it comes from a place of them being worried about being too judgmental or critical of other people I think that's a good impulse to have. I think a lot of the history of philosophy sort of erred on the side of being like very kind of imperialist about our sort of moral beliefs in ways that have not always been constructive. So I want to sort of like get them out of this kind of just like very unthinking relativism. And then I, again, I want to sort of get them to question their own beliefs so that they are not too satisfied in any sort of dogmatism and they're not kind of taking a body of beliefs wholesale from like whatever political party or like social group that they find themselves in. So I really want them to be able to take each issue on its own and to not see things as sort of always a binary, like there's one view and another view. I want them to sort of see that often there's just a kind of like diversity of perspectives they can inhabit.
1: Cool, cool. Do you think a lot some of that it can be I Don't say tribalism, but or clickishness, or the idea of like, yeah. I'm young, I don't really know fully who I am, so I better hold on to something, or I'll I'll be nothing.
2: Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, I think that's true, and I think it can be scary for students to you know, it's one of the things I love about my job. And it's one of the things, again, I love that Socrates is this kind of like a radical figure where he's going around just <laughs> showing everybody that all the things that they think they believe and are committed to and have built their lives around are actually not as stable as they thought. And I think that is kind of scary for students, but it's also, I think, exciting and, you know, potentially liberating for them at that age to sort of like have their world really shaken. You know, they're long, young enough that I think they're open to changing their mind about things and they mm. actually care about being right. <laughs> Uh, and not just about sort of belonging. And so, yeah, I mean, again, especially in this world where things feel so polarized and people feel so rigid in their beliefs, I think it's actually very gratifying to teach students at an age where they seem open to, yeah, questioning, even really Mm -hmm. into health
1: commitments. Well, this kind of goes towards the improv lesson, Mark.
3: (laughs) Was I
0: supposed to? (laughs) You you had some very definite choices in that last scene, so I I was trying to read into...
1: uh,
3: Well,
1: (laughs) I, I let the cat out of the bag a little bit here. It's this whole idea of knowing who you are, mm. and we actually kind of were hitting it kind of hard. And my last question was kind of a, a, a you know, uh, uh, this idea of, you know, you mentioned you and your character Mark was kind of obstinately rudderless, but kind of purposefully rudderless, uh, as you, as you even said, uh, or or as you, as you talk about the, the relativism on steroids, or just knee jerk relativism uh, as a as a uh, an excuse to not think about something and i would say that person does know who they are yeah. in, in that regard and i can usually as an improv teacher know if someone is unsure about the choices they've made when they start getting quiet when they when they don't speak as much and it's it's that person who isn't really sure what their job is in this scene not yeah. just job vocation but job how do i contribute to this what is my role you know what what is what was i cast in this role to do and that can really get really really slow the rate of dialogue can just yeah. really drop when people aren't sure what it is that their job is right. uh and and who and who they are and that's kind of fascinating yeah we are to do another scene what you got Does oh, i you have something I, I mean i have a <laughs> setup but i didn't want
0: to, if Tsukana had well, had something <laughs> relevant to <laughs>
1: No, that's fine. You had a, like a, well, kind oh, of a, sorry. Pre- a pregnant well. <laughs> I was
2: just going to say, I do, I did find it really interesting. I I guess I'm curious in an improv scene, like how much you go in with an idea of who you are and what you're bringing to the scene versus how much that's flexible over the course sure. of your conversation. Just, things are happening so, I mean, it's really, just, it's very impressive like to be sort of like creative in that way, kind of like on the spot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, part and, of it is, and this goes to the different flavors of improv, and 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 what we're just trying to do for this next scene. I would love for you to pick, and this is anyone who's worked with me before is going to know exactly what's about to come out of my mouth. This idea of we we identify people around us by their behaviors. How you do what you do is who you are. So how is it that you are a student? How is it that you are a teacher? It's like, well, I'm the I'm the maniacal teacher. I'm the I just sit behind the book and just read out of the book. Teacher and just the same test every year you know there's a lot of different people the person who talks too much the person who if you were to describe to us someone that gets under your skin that you know a person a person you know personally and could name yeah. if we if we pressed you uh, uh <laughs> how would you label their behavior so what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and pick somebody right now without telling okay. us yeah and and just put on that behavior does that make sense? Yeah, it no, makes this is—it's it, not a vocation. It's—it's it's yeah. not a—it's—it is—it is who they are. Perfect, outstanding. Yeah. Mark, did you have a scenario? I, I have a cool? scenario, and I've been
0: <laughs> w- wondering about how patiently. how flimsy a scenario I could start a scene with, and this was okay. pretty flimsy. I'm just telling you, so that you, if you, <laughs> presumably you're both students, but you know you can decide. I mean. We're sort of in an open air. Uh, uh, there are a lot of booths and I got my booth here and I'm, I'm just wondering if you could, guys could l- come look at my petition because I got this petition that I, I, I really feel strongly about. Uh,
1: hey, You want us to sign your petition here? You yeah, yeah.
0: So that, So what this says is that the only thing we really know is that we really don't know anything. And I just feel like the more of us that sign, that's going to add some some humility to our behavior. Uh, we're not going to be such uh, such jerks to people who have different views. Because really, you know, what do we know? You you, you want to sign? It? I'm
2: having a I'm having a reaction. I'm feeling a little triggered by this petition. I think the language of knowing to me feels a little bit colonialist and imperialist. I think. Maybe we could talk more in the space of feeling rather than knowing, given how the language of knowledge has been weaponized over centuries and millennia against marginalized people. I also don't like the language of jerks uh, that you just use. I think that's mm, very offensive mm. to the circus community where we know this term originated. So I really I want to invite you to really reflect on some of the language that you're using in this petition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What she said, <laughs> you know. So, so you awesome. like? So
0: I should revise. The only thing that we feel is that we feel nothing. Is that better?
1: You would you sign that? Uh, I mean, I I feel things. Uh, what do you would? Uh, what do you think?
2: I'm worried that right now you're not really giving voice to some of the communities that maybe need your platform right now.
0: Okay. So yeah, communities, communities. Right. The only thing yeah. that I feel is that I feel nothing except. I feel the pain I can't really feel the pain of the other communities I wouldn't want to be so presumptuous I abstractly respect uh the the pain and and other feelings I don't even want to characterize it as pain in advance I think this is still expressing what I said in the first place which is I don't know their pain can I, I? I understand saying positively that you know something that that's offensive. But what if you say I don't know?
1: Is that okay? Well, I it mean, sounds, what, what, uh, you know, you sounds like
2: you're making excuses for your own ignorance now.
1: A, th- a thesis of your own ignorance. I mean, <laughs> how can you respect before you spect? Am I right? <laughs> Seriously, I, I don't know if you're, um, if you're if you're if you're busy on Friday, uh, but I thought maybe just let me know let could, me know could we'll you guys just focus on talk. focus you, yeah, yeah, you guys yeah, can yeah. flirt later i mean we're we're doing well, something uh, no, serious no, here it's not like that it's not like that it's not like that i just you know we're just, we're just we have class together i just thought you know maybe we could talk uh, class stuff you know over uh, coffee or something on friday night or something Should I yeah you got your petition here you got your
0: this is yeah this is what's going on yeah and 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 miss if you if you need to keep talking to me you know for a long time just to not respond to what he just said i'm here for you i mean i, I don't want to presume
2: I feel like right now you're, you're asking for my labor and I, I'm not, my role here is not to educate you. Very
0: all right, powerful. all right. I, I, I'm feeling like you don't necessarily have to help me workshop the petition, but if I wanna really, the point is to keep people from imposing their beliefs on other people. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It sounds like you would be in favor of that are you like running for class president or no, just I'm like... just trying to make a difference in this world. I don't have any pretensions to an official position. In fact, I think official positions, I don't want to say bullshit because I, that's probably offensive toward bulls cows. you know, cause sh why is their shit so bad?
1: Is, and I mean, is a, is a man cow stink worse than a lady, you know, you know, worse. Hey, I don't, I'm just thinking. What, d- here, does you it know, even is- identify? No, I,
0: I'm not even going to go there.
2: I it just like this. You know, you're, 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 you're claiming to be an ally for, for disempowered groups, but you're not really being honest about your own identities and your privilege in this. You haven't talked about your positionality as a white man in this space. You haven't talked about the communities that you're fighting for. I don't see you platforming other groups with more marginalized identities. It seems like you are occupying the space that actually would be better for somebody else to, to take instead of you.
0: All right. Do you want to sit down at the booth and and do this? I mean, I, I, I don't want to abrogate your labor, but it seems like. Told you it's not my
2: job to educate you. I, now, now you're asking me to do your job for you.
0: And if I ask you if it's okay to ask you to do your job that would also be asking you to educate me. And that's not okay.
2: I think these are resources that you could find elsewhere. I think there are plenty of places that you could look for this information that doesn't have
1: to go to the library, bro. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Seriously. Or it could be Saturday too. If you're free Saturday night, that's cool too. You know, whatever, Uh, you know, you know, just let me know. It's cool. It's cool. I'm I'm on the campus email. So, you know, you can just, you can just find me. me I mean, this guy, right. This guy needs to get, uh, an education. <laughs> he needs to open his eyes to what is going down.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Well, the, the one thing that I know is that I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. It's just, it's, it's, this is kind of all beyond me. I think maybe I should, uh, not run this booth anymore, though. I, I feel like quietism might be the proper response to this kind of confusion that, uh, it was a mistake to try to, to fix the system. The system is
1: irreparably broken and, Thanks. Okay. Yeah, I just want to say I did play high school, uh, football in high school, but I it was it was a it, I shouldn't have you know, I probably should not have you know. I see I see now that it's um, it's, uh, an expression of uh, violent uh, pigskins stuff. Pigskins. You know? so I I just wanted to get that. I'm not sure if it's pertinent to what we're talking about, but I just wanted to say that.
2: I'm glad you've seen you've seen you you healed through your toxic masculinity.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's definitely something to talk about, you know, Friday or Saturday or whatever, you know, or Sunday. That's, that's well, Sunday, the NFL's on Sunday. Well, I mean, not that that's, but, you know, just, dude, dude, give it up. She's not into you. She's clearly, yeah, she's been, she's been looking to escape. The I, I think she can make decisions for herself. I, and I think you're taking her agency by saying she's not into me.
2: <laughs> I think I, you're taking her agency right now.
1: The the only thing that I know is that she's not into you. <laughs> We'll stop there before I get even more embarrassed. <laughs> hey, that was fantastic. That was that was wonderful. That was fun, and that was yeah, some some great pushing. But yeah, to what extent was
0: that satire versus like I, that, That's the joy of irony is you don't have to come down. You know, yeah, you can yeah. just you can say things, and it's not like you think that point of view is totally confused. Yes. But clearly, there are less helpful yeah. ways of using it.
2: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, like I love my students, but I think they're so well-intentioned, but sometimes it comes across in in these ways that are sort of like overly like <laughs> militant <laughs> and often like attacking the people that are actually trying to be allies and whatever social justice cause they care about. Well,
1: it's difficult because, I mean, that's something I, my wife and I talk about. When you're on the moral high ground, you yeah. end up looking down on everyone else. So it's good to be on the moral high ground. <laughs> Uh, uh, but you have to be careful. Uh, <laughs> now that was fun. And you take any point of view, any personality and turn it up to 11, just, yeah. just put, put the fader all the way up and it becomes right. clownish. It becomes ridiculous in a fun way. And perhaps even in a way where you can actually see some of the cracks in that, in that philosophy. And sometimes I'll, I'll do this exercise or something similar. And it's like, someone's say, like, can I pick up a, a positive behavior? I'm just really supportive. And it's like, you can, but when you turn it up all the way, <laughs>
2: You'll see the absurdity of it. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's fun. And again, you could have picked a very different personality and the scene yeah. would have turned 180 degrees on how whoever you picked to be. Yeah, uh,
2: it's funny. I was teaching uh last week. I been, I teach this course on the intro to ancient Greek philosophy and we were teaching Aristotle on the virtues and you know, he has this view where the virtue is kind of mean between two extremes. My students always struggle with this concept of like why would virtue be the average? Like you don't want to be mediocre, you want to be like the best. at, Like, you know, all these different character traits. And so we were, I was trying to illustrate this exact point where there's such a thing as being too generous or too kind or too concerned with justice, but like all the time and in the wrong ways. And yeah, it's sort of helpful to think about in the improv context, where like yeah, you imagine somebody who's like too generous, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no longer a virtue or a good quality to have.
1: And you can, in fact, define scenes by: was this scene about someone setting up a petitions in a, in a college quad, or was this scene about those behaviors in conflict? Right. You know, and, and 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 suddenly it's like. Well, yeah. What is the what is the identity? Yeah. Uh, the person I was, unless you had something, did you have something, Mark? I was brought
0: to mind with the, the the phrase that I can't remember the exact wording of, but something like the path to righteousness is like a razor's edge. And yeah. that is the certainly trying it to cuts, be. cuts your feet. Trying to be proper, shoes. properly woke. You know, for that character that I was being to respond to this. Right, right. I think it you know it ends up actually feeling impossible that i cannot and it might actually be like can you just be a different per- can you just not be a white guy like no, if I if that is different. actually the- <laughs>
2: Yeah. And you know, the sort of lesson at the end where you're like, maybe quietism is the way, the way I worry sometimes like in activist circles, that sort of like ends up being the lesson, especially for, for people who, you know, are trying to be allies, but don't find themselves part of the kind of marginalized identities where I think it's very hard sometimes to know how to be a good ally without facing this sort of criticism. And I think it's, it's natural to want to sort of maybe <laughs> separate yourself from constant criticism.
0: But even just relating that same thing to Aristotle, that there's a certain way of reading Aristotle, which it's pretty easy. Like don't eat so much that it's disgusting. Don't eat so little that you have an eating disorder. But like, you know, there's a pretty wide (laughs) range in most things. But there are other ways of taking Aristotle of like, no, no, to actually be the sage, to be the virtuous person means you actually can really see exactly how much...
2: Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about the example of humor. Because again, I, I think because I, I had improv on my mind last week, we were talking about humor because Aristotle says like having a good sense of humor is something that the virtuous person will have. And one of the students was like, why Why would he care about wh- what's moral about having a good sense of humor? So we were talking about it, you know, exactly this point where knowing exactly when and how <laughs> to be funny in a specific context it really, it's a very hard skill of like, being able to sort of read the room and the social needs of the room, you know, the kind of joke that you might make at a funeral is from the kind of joke you make at a wedding or in a classroom and the, the sort of goals of that, right? Like it, whether it's dissolving some tension or maybe being a little subversive or just kind of building community and trust within a space. I think, yeah, it's really, you can see a, a million ways that it can go wrong, <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
2: but somebody who has that skill can really figure out how to get it right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think my character was, lying about it seems like it's too dumb to lie what do you mean uh, (laughs) well it's that whole and the moment we start talking about relationships and things that there ends up being this kind of imbalance between people's intentions and even if their intentions aren't i'm going to attack you and and and, and like be violent or, or or anything untoward are they honest if that person just needs Some attention, you know, you know what I'm saying? At what point is it just like, is that honest? You know, would it be socially acceptable to say, I really don't care as long as your game, you know, (laughs) is, you know, I would Uh, like your consent to pay attention to me. I would like someone to consent to the exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean you know, sometimes moral philosophers will distinguish between the goodness of an action and then the goodness of the character of the actor. right? So Aristotle has this kind of distinction where okay. you might think like you're doing the right thing in the sense of like you're standing up for this social justice issue. But like, what are your intentions? Like, what is the yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it to impress a girl? Is it just to get attention? Is it to like make people happier to have a certain kind of like image to other people? And you might think like you're doing the right thing, but actually it's not expressive of any good character that you have because you don't really know what it's not for the right reasons.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I should be able to read the room and know that you're not interested. Right. We probably wouldn't be happy. Let's be perfectly frank. That that would (laughs) not get very far. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, but it's good to do that in front of a third
0: party that you're engaging so that they can serve as a moderator. You picked up on that right away, Mark. That was, I was really impressed. Perhaps all social relationships should be done in front of a third party.
1: Just, <laughs> just to, Like, exactly. hey, yeah. I'm, I'm your, your- impartial <laughs> spectator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm the consent guardian. And if I see anything untoward or feel like, you know, you two just go crazy, go nuts, you know, do everything <laughs> you need to do. I will not, I'm ba- duty bound to not repeat anything I saw here. But, but I, I will, will judge in. you. I will yeah, call exactly. the flag. <laughs> if I think someone's, a, yeah. So you don't have to worry about, you know, any signed contracts or positive affirmative consent, I'll just judge by your actions. By the yeah. way, the two you carry on, I'll just judge. So come we- on a six or a beer if that's okay. I'm just going to sit back in the corner here and just observe. <laughs> can, we, can we finish the I circle? I like that guy. Mark, we found something. We found the con- – <laughs> The consent person. Are you kidding?
0: There we go. Outside of an improv scene, we found an improv character. <laughs> is, to bring it back to moral agency, you were saying, Sikena, "How how there's so many more interesting things. And I think we've been yeah. getting at the thicket of the, the usual response to agency questions is, it's the society. It's what's yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah. we're, I mean, we're kind of getting at that it's not as simple as just look at what a bad home life and school system like you know we've all had fine schools but we have very complicated things to navigate and so right. gauging where the person is at just like you were saying where are these students at how experienced are they what what level of ignorance should i expect seems much yeah. more interesting than like is it your fault or not like
2: yeah. Said,
1: is
0: what, that are
2: gonna, the, yeah. what are the options right in that situation because I think about that a lot in these kinds of situations where you know like for example like in the social justice setting that we were doing where you know the bill character is kind of like hitting on the like social justice warriors like what are your options in that kind of situation like are you going to like reject this person publicly when they're actually like supporting the cause that you care about uh, are you going to like have a very uncomfortable conversation in the middle of a different uncomfortable conversation are you going <laughs> to play along because it's like easier <laughs> in that situation I think it's the kind of calculations that we make mm-hmm. all the
1: time and, and maybe Maybe there's a piece of you that wouldn't mind some mindless, no strings attached. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that would be a character choice. <laughs> Not one that was pursued in the context yeah, yeah. of this scene. And you need to be okay with that, Bill. You need to be okay with that.
2: Uh, I...
1: <laughs> so I'll call. Is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, well, I think we're reaching the end. I mean, Bill, do you want to fully reveal your, well, I, your I, improv I, lesson? i I'm
1: going to let the cat out of the bag when I was just talking about this idea of picking who you are and when okay. I, uh, going through some of the pre-material, uh, getting ready for this thing. I encountered some of your things about who we are, what we want, and, and how we behave and how we care for ourselves it goes a, a zillion miles to defining who we are. And perhaps sometimes it's easy to look at this every every choice I can step back from my life and make a sound judgment is just ridiculous. And and that we're we are <laughs> especially anytime moments our romance are involved and are uh we're giving over to our animal brains, it, it becomes very difficult, if not impossible. And yeah. we are we, we are who how we behave and, and that's that was kind of that was kind of that.
2: I love so, that's a very Aristotelian lesson that we are how we behave.
1: <laughs> you hear that Mark? Yes, and I guess Aristotelian. you Aristotelian.
0: When, when I asked you to reveal... you asked you to reveal the lesson, but yet you'd already revealed the lesson,
1: clearly. Already, I pre-revealed. I,
0: yeah, that was your, your preparation <laughs> for <laughs> the presentation.
1: Well, it came to it. And then we were do another scene. And and, and and the subject matter was like... Yeah, just uh, skirting all around it. It's like, I gotta read the room here. It's like, I'm gonna say it now because it's gonna land. It's gonna land right now. Yes. We... we the, the, the teachers know you got to repeat things a few times for, for <laughs> people
0: to figure out what you're what was right. your lesson mark? I mean, the, uh, did I have a lesson or was it just a topic phrase <laughs> about <laughs> agency that I had seen on Zekay's oh, yeah. website basically and yeah. and said what can we do something about that? Can we can we fair enough but i guess that's the question that we we three we three now as a committee have to decide the 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 onus is mostly on the guests but we each get a vote whether that flailing around the topic of i actually think the topic of agency went to a very interesting point in response to what sukena was saying about about like what are the alternatives so i feel like you know that was also pretty good and then bill had his thing which of these two lessons as far as you're concerned so we will make the most we're just trying to make a difference in the world. We're just yeah. trying to which which one are are you going to is going to keep you up at night?
2: Wow. You know, I really like this idea that we kind of are how we behave again because I, you know, I read so much Aristotle, I like the idea that we you know, our actions sort of reveal our character, but then our the way that we act over time also shapes that character over time.
0: I think right. she just improved your lesson, Bill. I think <laughs> that's a philosophical spin on it. I think I, hmm do you improv win bill do you do, do yes, improv one. all right, right. all right all right <laughs>
2: improv,
0: improv one, one. that's, improv that's one. what happens i all did right.
1: like the agency stuff and i did like having those discussions and it is nice what i've enjoyed very much mark about the this whole process and whatnot and, and especially the philosophy guests is this notion of like we should be able to step back and leave ourselves out a little bit with some humility and some patience and to be able to put our own stuff to the side. And that, that has been cool for me. And this was definitely a topic that could have easily gotten uh, <laughs> gotten a uh, little nasty. So it was, it was cool to do that. So half point to philosophy. <laughs> well,
3: we'll <take>
0: <laughs> I suspect I'm grateful to both of you for, for coming today. I won't say I know it, <laughs> but it's, it's a theory that I'm playing with.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Well, thank you guys so much. I actually learned a lot about improv.
1: Well, this was super fun. Thanks, thanks for being on, and best oh, of luck goodness. as you wind down the semester.
2: All right. Take care, guys.
0: Bye, listeners.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Happy holidays from all your friends at Philosophy versus Improv, which I guess is just Bill and me. Unless you want to count chicky, which you probably shouldn't count chicky. Maybe you don't even know who Chicky is, but if you go look at my Facebook page or the Ask Chicky YouTube channel, there has been more Chicky activity going around, so you can watch out for that. But this podcast is located at philosophyimprov.com. We hope that you are subscribed directly to it, even if you're hearing these episodes on the Partially Examined Life feed. You'll hear the episodes sooner. Now, I also push for supporters at patreon.com slash philosophyimprov. And earlier this week, Bill and I recorded what will be eventually episode 70 for this podcast, but it was very holiday themed. So I went ahead and put the video on the Patreon page, open to you, anyone, the public. You don't have to pay, though if you do pay, you'd get the version of this episode with the post game and the same for most of our other episodes. I'll say it again. That is patreon.com slash philosophy improv. Thank you. And to all of you.